Radio MD. RadioMD.com. It's time for the Dr. Lee Vin Oker Show. Here's Dr. Lee. Hi, and welcome to the show, Health from the Outside In. Uh, we have a very interesting show. My next guest, Dr. Mitesh Patel, is Assistant Professor of Health. Uh, healthcare management and medicine at the Perlman School of Medicine, Wharton School of Business at University of Pennsylvania. And he did a very interesting study on these wearable fitness devices. Uh, we see them everywhere. Everybody seems to have one, but are they really working? So welcome, Dr. Patel. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So, first of all, what made you decide to look into this, besides the fact that everywhere <laughs> everywhere you look, someone's got one of those bands on? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people are excited about the role that wearable devices can have in helping people to uh, better engage in their health and change their health behaviors. But there's not really a lot of evidence out there to show that the people who really need to change their behaviors, those that are have chronic conditions or overweight or, or, or more elderly, are effectively using these devices. And so we wanted to, we wrote an opinion piece kind of describing how the evidence um, kind of informs the, the topic and the debate around wearable devices, and then did a short study to kind of evaluate the accuracy of these devices. So first of all, are you, um, so you talk about the elderly and such, I mean, are you seeing this in the elderly or do you seeing it more in, you know, younger, healthier people? So it, it, it definitely tends to be the folks that are younger, more early adopters, more affluent that are purchasing these devices. Um, overall, on a population level, really only about 1% to 2% of people have a wearable device. It's much lower than people think. Um, you know, those who are really excited about it tend to hang out with other people that may are also have it. But if you were to go into a hospital or a clinic, there are very few patients that we see using these devices yet. And there's a variety of reasons for that, but it, it tends not to be the people that could benefit from them most, at least not <laughs> thus far. So... Tell, tell us first, what, um, what is it really tracking or what do these devices tell you in the, at all when you're wearing them? And then we can talk a little bit about, you know, what you found and um, if it works. Sure. So, you know, these, there are lots of different things that uh, devices on the market can do or claim to do. Um, anything, the most popular is activity tracking things like step counts or distance or, uh, and so on. Um, there are some devices that can monitor your heart rate or your uh, oxygenation, or, or, and then there are other things that are not wearable devices but are wireless technologies that can monitor your blood pressure and so on. But by far, most people who are using wearable devices are using them for tracking their physical activity. So, and I, you know, heard, you know, there are timers. We talk about sitting is the new smoking. So if you work in an office, the timer can go off every once in a while, remind you to get up and walk and move around, correct? Yeah, yeah. So definitely there's a lot of evidence to show that people who spend more time sitting, independent of how much exercise you might do later in the day when you go to the gym or whatnot, um, that they're, they have worse outcomes in the long term. So there's been an effort from some of these devices to help people, to remind people when they've been sitting too long. So that's pretty good. Now, to me, it always seemed like, um, you know, kind of the chicken and the egg. Are these people that are already 
purchasing these devices and excited about it, the ones that are exercising more anyway and more health conscious? Yeah, so definitely, you know, in order for you to go out and get a device and then use it, you have to go through several steps. First, you've got to be motivated enough to want the device, which means you're probably already engaged in your health. <laughs> um, you have to be able to afford the device. Some of these devices, cost, they cost anywhere from $100 to um, several hundred dollars, depending on which one of the devices you want. And then once you get it, there's all kinds of extra small steps that really add up to high hurdles. So you've got to regularly charge the device, sometimes daily. You've got to sync it to another um, piece of technology. And then in order to actually use the data, you've got, you've got to be able to then look at your smartphone or your computer um, and, and, and see how you've been doing over time. Um, and then, of course, you have to remember to wear it every day. You take it off to go in the shower or something, you have to remember to put it back on. So, you know, we find that about half of people who purchase a wearable device stop using it within three to six months. And the people who are purchasing these devices so far tend to be those people who are already pretty engaged in their health. And we're currently doing a bunch of different clinical trials and studies to understand how do we get people who really need these uh, technologies to use them, people who have, should be exercising after they have a heart attack or people that are overweight or obese and are trying to lose weight as maybe part of a New Year's resolution or something like that, because that's where we can get the most um, benefit if we can get these types of people using the devices. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense, but it seems like every time I see somebody with one of those Fitbits or some kind of band, they're the people that are out running anyway and uh, and doing all those things. So, um, so do you think some of the biggest barriers, I mean, because some of our biggest health challenges are in our more indigent population, so I would assume that that maybe it has potential, but it's a huge barrier. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest barrier by far is motivation. And, you know, it's not surprising that the people who are, uh, you know, need to benefit from this the most have lower motivation. And that may be, you know, in terms of engaging their health or changing their health behaviors. The folks that are already out there running 5 to 10 miles a day, um, you know, are using these devices to, to gauge how fast they're doing that or if they're, you know, encouraging them to run more. Um, but the people who are spending most of their day sitting and so on have a lower level of motivation to start with, and that's that's a challenge because you need some sort of motivation to be able to use these devices effectively. Right. So I know that, you know, people have these goals, 10,000 steps a day. I mean, so you're tracking these devices. If you're busy, you work in an office, what happens? You get to the end of the day and you say, oh, you know, I'm I'm short a couple thousand steps and then, then they are you finding these people are saying, okay, I better start running or walking or I'm going to walk around the neighborhood and make that up? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. You know, there hasn't been much done to look at what are the different ways that we can frame the feedback to an individual to motivate them more. So we're testing things like, uh, you know, putting you on a team and showing you how your team does against another team, comparing people who are on teams to people who are participating by themselves, um, you know, comparing whether competition is more effective or support, so letting a family member or friend know when you've reached your goal as opposed to competing with a family member or friend. We don't really know which is more effective. The other main challenge we see is that most people center around this goal of 10,000 steps a day. And while there's you know a lot of excitement about that, there, it, it, there isn't as much evidence around that number. It's kind of like a nice round number that people aim towards. The challenge is the average person in the United States walks 5,000 steps a day. 
And mm. the average sedentary person who spends most of their day sitting in an office or somewhere else walks closer to 3,500 steps a day. So you're asking the people who are more sedentary to triple their physical activity, uh, and that's really, really hard. What tends to happen is we we yeah. set goals for 10,000. Somebody sets a goal for 10,000 steps, and the people who are able to accomplish that are either already walking 10,000 steps or they're walking <laughs> eight to 9,000. And you're really getting the power walkers to walk more instead of tr- instead of setting goals that will help to get people who are sedentary to increase their physical activity. Uh-huh. Well, do some of these have, and we only have a minute, do some of these have programs set at different levels so you know when you first start on this it'll say okay you know let's get to this level first and then work our way up yeah so many of them will let you they you often default you into a, a set goal count of 10,000 and they'll let you change that there are some that will let you more kind of apps that will let you work through levels with points and games and stuff one interesting thing is that most wearables have some built-in feedback whereas um, something like the Apple Watch allows developers to create apps that might better engage people or that can compete against each other and so on. So kind of we'll see how that turns out. But um, I, I do think that there needs to be some kind of stronger engagement strategy. Yeah, interesting. Well, well, I'd love to hear as you uh, continue your research, you know, if they're pr- still relatively new. Have they done anything to affect our health? So I want to thank my guest. Um, it's a very interesting thing, and I guess the key thing is you really got to get up and move. This is Health from the Outside In on the Dr. Levin Oker Show. Stay tuned into your health.